When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey everybody, let me talk to you here for a second. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Here, let me explain real quick. First off, it's free. That is the best word in the English language. Free. There's also a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big. I mean, huge for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get started. You'll never believe it. I mean, I hardly could. Kohl's has epic deals right now, and they're going to make for an epic 4th of July. I got the cutest $6.99 Americana tees, $19.99 Tech Gear shorts for me, and Toastmaster kitchen gadgets for less than $10. I even got Kohl's cash and picked up my order in less than an hour. So yeah, cue the fireworks, because these savings are definitely worth celebrating. Select style sale ends July 4th. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohls.com for details. This is the main event, Mark's podcast on the Unhinged Sports Network. I'm your first host, Cat Dad, and former radio guy, lifelong wrestling fan, Troy. And with me today, from the Far End of the Bench podcast, the Cover 6 podcast, and two for chirping, the very busy brother Devon and my brother Ray, he is Jimmy Palato. What's up, man? Uh, testify. Come on now. Uh, no, just, uh, very excited to be here. Love that you reached out and then you gave me something that I'd never seen before because we talked about it. Um, I didn't watch TNA as it was going on and I've got back, gone back to watch some of the matches. Obviously I heard of the AJ Styles stuff, but yeah, no, I'm super excited to be here, do a lot of stuff. You said I'm very busy and that's, that's true. I write for the Unhinged Sports Network, unhingedsn.com and then I host, uh, two of the I think we have four or five network exclusive shows. So, pro. there's tons of content. I know you guys talk about it a lot. I'm an avid listener of the podcast as well. So, uh, I'm going to have to, on the main event, Marks, I'm going to have to stop myself from Mark. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate the listenership. Obviously, for all of you listening in today, this is not Greg. He asked that, I, I told him, I said, well, I, I can take one last thing off your plate. Uh, a guy from, 
from the Unhinged Network said he wanted to step in and uh, and he's been, he's been wanting to be on the show and he knows he seems to know what he's talking about. So I was like, uh, I can have him fill in. He said, go for it. So yeah, we got a we got a pinch hitter today, man. Uh, to to throw some more sports anal- uh, analogies out there. But he will be back hopefully next week. We'll kind of talk at the end of the show about what's coming up next week. And, uh, well, I- I'm about to subscribe to Peacock here soon. I have not got a chance to look at what is and is not on the network uh, as of yet. But we'll uh, we'll talk about that at the end of the show. But, yeah, for the rest of you, we're going back to 2006. Today is the tw- uh, 15-year anniversary of TNA Lockdown 2006. This was the second ever Lockdown event. Lockdown was the first ever all-cage match pay-per-view in wrestling history. And this is the sequel. And I might argue, well, I, I don't even know if it's really an argument. It is much better than the first one. The first one, the main event, which was the Lethal Lockdown, which is TNA's uh, version of War Games, that is... uh the the main event of the 2005 show was uh, Jeff Jarrett and some people versus Kevin Nash. There was supposed to be Kevin Nash and some people. Well, Nash got sick and had to pull out, so they replaced him with B.G. James. So, yeah. I mean, this... <laughs> I, you're telling me Jeff Jarrett headlined more than just the one TNA lockdown? You, you're kidding. Oh, I, I'll I, talk about it when we get to the show, but that guy, that guy had a rocket. He strapped a rocket to his back, his own back, apparently. Oh well, and Vince Russo had a had a stiffy form as well, so that's why. I mean, if you ever watch, he was never a main eventer until he got to WCW with Vince Russo running things. Uh, and if you talk to anybody else that has ever had to work with him, they say nice guy, good wrestler. I didn't see him in the main event. Vince Russo was the only one, and I didn't hate him. I take that back. During this time, I was not a fan of him because everything I hated about Triple H during this era. That was Jeff Jarrett, only less talented, I would say. I would argue. On the mic, in the ring. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying that he wasn't a bad... He was definitely a good heel. He drew a lot of heat, but he was... uh, I agree. Same thing with Triple H. You knew that he was getting pushed from the powers that be, and if you can't back it up in the ring all the time, it's difficult. Right. Yeah. And uh, I think there was only maybe a couple of lockdown shows that Jarrett did main event, so yeah, this was not one of them, by the way. He did main event this one. He was here, and we will talk about that. Is it's um, I always get it con- confused here. I gotta go back and look at the notes. It is Sting, or er, sorry, Jeff Jarrett's army and Sting's warriors headlining this show. So, but uh, we'll get into that uh, when we get into the event itself. Real quick, we are sponsored by Fubo TV and Fanatics. Links are down in the podcast description if you were listening on the uh, the podcast itself. And I know Greg is a big fan of Fanatics. He orders from them all the time. Fubo TV is probably what I'm going to be switching to really soon because I'm a big fan of cutting the cord, and they have a lot of options for you on there. They are the sponsors of the Unhinged Sports Network and us here at the main event, Marks. We thank you them for that. And if you are listening on the podcast, please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Uh, if you leave a review, five stars and all that good jazz, it'll get us seen by tons of people. The more that that's really what does it. I mean, I appreciate everybody subscribing. That's the best way to keep up with us. But if you leave a review, that spreads the word as well as word of mouth. I know Jimmy just told me uh, earlier today that he told his brother about us. 
and apparently he he's digging what we're what we're doing. I appreciate all that. Word of mouth is the best thing, the most useful thing to an indie podcaster like us and our entire network. So, well, uh, you ready to uh, dive into the news and notes, man? Yeah, let's get into it. I mean, 2006, I was nine at, at this time, so. You're making me feel old already, man. But let's take our first break here real quick. When we come back from uh, from the break, we'll dive into the news and notes. Follow the Main Event Marks at Facebook.com forward slash Main Event Marks pod, on Twitter at Main Event underscore Marks, and on Instagram at Main Event underscore Marks, and at Main Event Collector. It's the very best of professional wrestling's past every Monday on Retro Wrestling Review. I'm your host, Troy, and together we'll hop on my time-traveling wrestling ring and watch along to the greatest matches from yesteryear in the sport of kings. As complex, as controversial, and as brilliant, really, as he is. On Triple R, we'll cover matches from across the world, including American territories, Canada, Mexico, and Japan. Fast action, lots more than that. You'll learn some things, find out about wrestlers and matches you never even knew about, and we'll have some laughs. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Retro Wrestling Pod. Retro Wrestling Review is available wherever you get podcasts, including YouTube, served up fresh every Monday morning. Unbelievable! The crowd! Absolutely stunned! Has it been a while since you flipped that thermostat from heat to cool? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services before you do for an $88 AC start and check to make sure your AC is in tip-top shape. Griffith specializes in carrier, but services all brands. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today. Your local carrier expert. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. Main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. All right, we are back. It is time to talk about what's happening around, uh, I'm already getting confused here, April of 2006. First off, this one took me back. ECW will be returning full-time in September. WWE is not looking to add a third day to their television schedule. It is believed that this will be a mix of both former ECW wrestlers and new WWE developmental wrestlers who have been working house shows under Paul Heyman. Speaking of Heyman, he will be in charge of the ECW brand. The plan is to run house shows and some form of weekly television as well. Do you remember this ECW revival? Yeah, it was, uh, I was paying a lot of attention to Raw and SmackDown. Uh, I told you I was a big Cena mark. My brother and I were big Cena marks, so we were paying attention to that. And, uh, I remember seeing the initial commercials. Uh, I was interested. Obviously, I didn't know about ECW from before. I was, that was not, I was not a part of that demographic. Um, but it was interesting to add the show. That was, <clears throat> for, for me, it was similar, I guess, adding more wrestling and not knowing a whole bunch about TNA. It seemed uh, like it was going to be the next show that I watched. So I, I remember seeing it. It was intriguing, but I wasn't didn't have a whole bunch of the history behind it. I got kind of into it because I this was like uh, right after. Yeah, this was right around the time of One Night Stand 2. And I ordered One Night Stand 2. Um, that was 
I, the third pay-per-view I ever ordered, I think. And uh, I, I never watched the original ECW, other than I think I got a couple of tapes, maybe, or uh, DVDs maybe from Netflix, but that was about it, back when Netflix used to do DVDs. And I never really got into it, so I didn't know much about it. Uh, this, though, I was excited. I was trying to be... Uh, what, what is the word? Hopeful, I guess. I don't optimistic. know. Optimistic? Yeah, optimistic. Thank you. I'm having a brain fart today. Um, and I don't know. It sucked. Like, it just, there were a couple of decent things, but, I mean, they had, their idea of, like, of stuff, like, they, they brought out, uh, I know week one, they brought out a dude in a zombie outfit and had yeah. Sab, or Sandman come out and cane the crap out of him. And then the next week they had a guy. Uh, which, they were uh, they were pushing um, boogeyman and stuff on, and uh, kind of like the guys. I know ba- they basically took the mid card from their other shows, and that was the WWE talent that they had put over to ECW. So I mean, it was cool. Yeah. I-, I think one of the cool parts about it was seeing Matt Hardy be a world champion, quote unquote, with the ECW championship. But there yeah. was definitely, I think there was a mis miscommunication because everybody's like, oh, ECW's coming back. How is WWE going to do that with the PG? stuff and it was just a very watered down ECW. Yeah, it wasn't good. Uh cuz I mean uh, they they kept the original w- ECW title and that's the only title they had on the brand. It's just that belt. And um Rob Van Dam was the first to hold it. He wanted it one night stand two. He lost it to Big Show and after that everything just kind of went to crap. I I don't know. Vince McMahon held it at one point. Then they retired that belt. I do rag Vince, by the way. I gotta uh, add that in. Yeah, the extreme ECW, extremely crazy white guy. Yeah, I remember yeah. that was one of I popped pretty big for that one on Raw. It was my word. He, uh, it was uh, nuts. We uh, we have not reviewed in full. We've got to one of these days, unfortunately. But uh, ECW's December to Dismember was their one and only pay per view uh, branded under ECW that they did. It sucked. It was an abomination. They had the extreme elimination chamber. Uh, CM Punk was the guy that Paul Heyman was pushing to win the whole thing. He was eliminated first. Uh, Bobby Lashley won the whole thing. And it just, I don't know. Eventually, they uh, retired the actual ECW belt, got that big silver thing. Uh, and Like you said, Matt Hardy held it. Christian actually returned to WWE in ECW, which was something. Uh, Jack Swagger came up there. So that was, it was almost like the genesis of what became NXT that we're seeing now. Yeah, it was, uh, I think it was a little bit pushed off of the OVW because OVW, I, I know it's still going on, but they're kind of transitioning out of that. And the, uh, Florida Championship Wrestling would have been a little bit after that too. So I think they were kind of scrambling to figure out how to push. Because obviously they were getting more wrestlers without WCW and everything like that. They're trying to figure out a way to get all of them on the roster. Yeah, yeah, and that was almost like, well, we're gonna throw you on ECW to try you out, or we don't really have anything for you on Raw or SmackDown, so we're gonna throw you on ECW just to give you work. And that was about what it is. A lot of people refer to it uh, not so fondly as WWECW, and it just, yeah, they had the new breed there for a while, which was like Elijah Burke, Kevin Thorne, uh, Marcus Corvon, and a couple others. It's just blah. But here, moving over to SmackDown, SmackDown star Palmer Cannon 
gave notice to WWE this week that he would be quitting the company effective immediately. Cannon did this during WWE's tour of Europe. By the way, if people don't know who he is, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute uh, if the name doesn't ring a bell. But according to reports, Cannon was said to have been the target of some hazing by several SmackDown veterans as of late. When the hazing came to a point where Cannon almost had a physical confrontation with John Bradshaw Layfield, he made the decision to give his notice to the company and fly himself home. And yes, this was the end of Palmer Cannon, who, speaking of ECW, he was a uh, he was supposed to be the network representative. People don't remember. Did you do you remember that whole gimmick at all on SmackDown? Uh... Not too much. Um, I, I remember you guys talking about it, uh, or there's something with the network. I think it was the ECW show, the network representative, but I don't yeah. actually remember him seeing him on TV. Yeah, Cyrus was uh, the the network representative in ECW. Cyrus, as people may know, is uh, Don Callis in uh, Impact Wrestling now, follows around Kenny Omega. Um, he He did that first, as far as I know. And then they did it with SmackDown, and it's when they had uh, a lot of wacky stuff going on, uh, like um, they had the minis division, which was uh, little people. And I, re- I remember that. I definitely remember that. <laughs> and he kept pushing Super Porky, which uh, all he did, he was just like a fat little dude who ate turkey legs all the time. Odd fact about him, Super Porky is the father of uh, Psycho Clown in Mexico. Psycho Clown is a very top-level talent down there. He's beaten a lot of people for their masks. So, odd fact for the day for anybody who knows Lucha. Uh, but, yeah, so he didn't last very long. I know he... It, I don't even know how long this damn gimmick went on. Maybe two months? Uh, three at most? But, yeah, it was... Yeah, uh, it was... Uh... There's there's no point in it anymore because wrestling was starting to tame themselves a little bit. So it's not like the network. The network still has issues with them, but it wasn't like they were feuding with the network anymore. Well, and it it was I thought it was stupid because ECW's whole thing of it was they were raw and edgy and blah, blah, blah. And they needed, you know, to blame somebody when they went too far and they had to tone it back. They're like, well, the network made us do whatever. Um so I get it with ECW. With SmackDown, uh, I guess, yeah, during this era, they did some crazy stuff, but not a whole lot. They kind of went through their most crazy stuff, like the Billy and Chuck wedding, the uh, crap, I don't even remember half the stuff with John Cena and whatever. Wasn't Batista, didn't he get in trouble for gigging himself around this time, or was that a little bit later? Uh, might have. Uh, I think it was a little bit later, because I think it was one of the reasons why he ended up quitting. Uh, I could be wrong, but uh, yeah, it was it was somewhere in uh, a couple of years from here. But I know, I think they were on the CW at this time. I want to say, or maybe maybe my network TV. But uh, either way, I, I I don't know why why they basically they were making fun of the network because they're like they made the guys in the network seem like idiots he's like oh it's super porky in the minis and and look this guy is a pirate it's awesome and it's like okay but yeah so this guy apparently was not liked backstage uh the the veterans like to to haze him go figure jbl was the uh biggest proponent of this and uh so the guy just quit he's like don't need the money bye 
I wonder what he's doing now. I think he did wrestle a little bit before, you know, before finally hanging up the boots. But uh, if if anybody can, well, if anybody can tell me where Palmer Cannon is today, go for it. <laughs> uh, let let us know on social That's, media. They, if they do know what he's doing now, that's uh, they they are definitely under the mark uh, recognition that you can recognize them as just a mark. Yeah, that's uh, you guys you guys do better research than I do, I guess. But all right, an incident involving here we go again. An incident involving Randy Orton is said to have been an offensive violation of WWE policy in a way that made it seem like he was doing it to try to prove that he couldn't get in trouble because he's a main eventer. It's said that Randy Orton had been doing this, uh, do, been doing things backstage that lower card workers would have been uh, suspended for immediately. Supposedly, he was suspended for a combination of failing a drug test for smoking marijuana and for just overall being a prick backstage. That tracks. And these, these third generation superstars, come on. They get, yeah. They're untouchable. They can do no wrong. Yeah, right. Uh, just ask Teddy Hart. Uh, yeah, if we uh, we plugged this, I think last week or the week before, there is a Twitter account dedicated to whether or not Teddy Hart is currently in jail. And every day he is not, they tweet no. And every day he is, they tweet yes. So I'll say that is hilarious. Uh, but that's some dedication to a joke, man. Yeah, I mean, he's made an impact. Still following him. He's he's made an impact. Right. Uh, Last I knew, he was in MLW, but he might be gone from there. I don't know. He and I share a love of cats. I know that. But as far as Randy Orton, yeah, there's a lot of stories of him. Like, uh, supposedly he crapped in a diva's bag one time. At least once, maybe twice. Uh, He purposely spilled wine on uh like red wine on a diva's dress one time on purpose and like made it and kind of like made it like a joke or a prank or whatever but she was not very fond of that and i think that made her quit it was either that or the crapping in her bag that made her quit uh, but yeah uh, so if i guess if i had abs like that i'd be trying to find ways i feel like that's almost like he was giving himself a test as to see if he could still get with a diva after crapping on her crapping in her bag and pouring wine on her dress i it was almost like i i could just walk up and say you know let's go on a date but no i'll make you like me by being mean to you it's i think he talked <laughs> about a lot of the problems he had in his video right if i'm not mistaken on his dvd uh yeah i think so i mean he he full-on admits to being a prick so i mean he's still a prick but i mean you you gotta at least give him some credit for it's like well at least he admits that he's not trying to hide it and act like he's a nice guy so cool for him, I guess, but still, dick move, man. Also, he said uh, there was a time, I don't know if this has ever been proven, but this was a big thing for a while, me and Greg were laughing about it, where supposedly somebody said he would uh, shove his hand down his pants and like grab his junk, and then he would pull it out and make you shake his hand, and then when you wouldn't, he would be like, what are you big leaguing me? You, you don't want to shake my hand? What's wrong with you? And, and uh, we just joked about his junk hand out of nowhere. So. <laughs> uh, the guy the guy who punted skulls on national television liked you to grab grab his hand after he grabbed himself. That's just. Yeah. Wrestlers are. There's that, you'll never get rid of that little bit of carny that's still left in. 
Yep. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, Jim Cornette has some really disgusting stories that he's like, oh, oh, isn't it funny? And it's like, no, that's effing sick. Like, who, like, who would do that? He's like, oh, wasn't it funny when, when, when so-and-so did? I'm like, why would you share this? Like, for the world. Like, <laughs> no, dude. <sighs> the, and they have no idea it's wrong. I feel that way. Uh, I'm a big, I was big into the ENC podcast when they were doing their, their show, Edging Christian, yeah. and they were talking about Tommy Ball. And apparently Tommy Dreamer would sit in the locker room and everybody else in the locker room, he'd sit with his legs out. And if you could throw a tennis ball and hit him in the junk, you, you were, that was the point of the game. I don't know what you got, but if you were able to hit Tommy Dreamer in the nuts with a tennis ball, that was it. You, you did it. Good Lord. Uh, Christian also famously said that when Tommy Dreamer takes off his shirt, he looks like melting candle wax. So, <laughs> moving on here, uh, Joey Styles got some heat on him from Mick Foley when he missed the low blow that Lita gave Foley and called it wrong because he was looking down at his notes from the match. This was one of the things that Jim Ross worked with Styles on, trying to get him to shorten his notes for going on air. Uh, Joey also got some heat on him for management when he was overheard saying that he wanted to call the hardcore match at WrestleMania 22 all by himself because that's the way he did it in ECW. Somebody heard this and ran back to upper management to tell them about it. However, nothing really came out of it. So apparently it wasn't that much heat because they didn't do a damn thing. Joey Styles no, is always I, doing something. Yeah, he's always... Uh, not gonna, I had his, uh, his, he's iconic. He has that line, the, oh my god, I don't think anybody said that probably better than he, he did, but, uh, that makes sense. I mean, he was, he went from ECW to WWE. That's yeah. a, a jump. You're, you're not gonna have the same amount of time. And I would say, I, I think it's probably more difficult to commentate good matches than what he was doing in ECW. It's oh a lot my easier gosh, to say, yeah. oh, he just hit that guy in the head with a trash can, then Hurricane run off the second rope. There's, there's a difference. And he was, he was, throughout those events, he was talking to the Smarks, too. And uh, if you ever listen to old ECW stuff, he's, uh, well, you're not going to see this up in Stanford or, you know, whatever the hell. You know, constantly taking shots at the other companies. And uh, his commentary style was not fit for WWE. He did a good job. He was fine for a while. but And you can also see other commentators just, flourish outside of wwe like um uh i don't think my co-host much cares for him but uh, i'm a big fan of kevin kelly over in uh new japan pro wrestling i thought he did great in ring of honor he's doing great in new japan in wwe he wasn't that memorable i mean backstage interviews did you, do you remember his backstage interviews like the ones where like the rock like painted one of his teeth black and messed with them and whatever uh vaguely i think i've seen something on that before yeah, and The Rock called him Hermie for Hermaphrodite and just different stuff like that. Uh-oh. Yeah, so <laughs> that was back when you could get away with saying that stuff. But yeah, there's, there's a lot that changed over the uh, seeing what they did back in the day. There's a lot that wouldn't fly anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, if anybody wants a reference, you know, go back and listen to our uh, Living Dangerously podcast a few weeks ago. That was, uh Yeah. Oh, yeah. That one was interesting to sit through. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting to record. Yeah, that was, uh, <clears throat> yeah, a lot of bleeps. But all right, at the WWE Hall of Fame ceremony, Bret Hart had some fun getting back at Hulk Hogan for some things that he said about him in the past. When Bret came out for his, introdu his induction, Hogan offered a handshake. However, 
Brett ignored him. Aww, poor Brett. <sighs> I, look, I talked with somebody earlier today about this, and I was like, you know what, I, I, I am a huge Brett Hart mark, always have been, always will be, but damn it, Brett loves him some Brett. And it's just, everything is, you know, somebody else is an ass, he hates everybody, and he's a bitter, he's a bitter old man, is what it comes down to. Yeah, he's, I mean, I, I felt for him. The, the screw job, it was a bad situation. It could have been handled better on both sides, though. When you start to yeah. hear the, the backstory of everything that was happening there, there's a reason as to why he got screwed over the way that he did. And I feel like he's had some pretty unfortunate breaks. The, the stroke and his family, obviously, there's, there's some, him, them and the Von Ericks have more family members that have died in, in public ways than I think I can remember. But he's he doesn't do himself any favors because he is very much into business for himself. Well, uh, and and I mentioned this to somebody else I was talking to before as well. Like a lot of people don't know about so much about the Graham family because only one of them really, one of them really did something anything positive in the wrestling business, and that was Eddie Graham. Uh, and I'm just talking about this this one lineage, not the entire Graham kayfabe family. But Eddie Graham made a big name for himself in Florida. Mike Graham made a big name for himself being, and I hate talking about the dead like this, but I mean, it is what it is. He made a big name for himself being an ass on the internet, and then being an ass in, back, in the backstage, and just lying through his teeth about everything. But, uh, yeah, that whole family, it, uh, Eddie's uh, father, Eddie, uh, Eddie's two sons, Mike and Mike's brother there, and, and Mike's son, all shot themselves. All of them just a whole family of of suicide by gun and it's nuts to think about um and and but that one doesn't get talked about like i said quite as much because they're not as famous as the von erics or the hearts obviously uh luckily the hearts didn't have any uh, suicides they had a lot of tragic deaths but no no suicides to speak of yeah the, yeah do you, do you count pillman as a part of that because I mean, Pillman was a big part of the them when they were in WWF. I kind of see him as um, along that same same line, and then him yeah. passing away the way that he did was it was tragic too. So uh, I, I kind of put that with them as well. I don't I, I I don't think he was technically a part of the family, but yeah, I mean, you throw you kind of throw him in there. He's he was like family. For some reason, I, I thought he, I always thought he was like Brett's brother-in-law or something, but I guess not. Like I did I just, too. I, his his video was weird because I thought that he was married to one of Brett's sisters, but I wasn't. I guess yeah. I was wrong about that. Yeah, me too. Now, speaking of the Hart family, Harry Smith is scheduled to debut on Raw on June fifth in Pittsburgh. He's it's uh, not likely that he'll debut on television on that day. They'll probably work a dark match for a few weeks while WWE figures out what to do with him. WWE has been thinking about bringing in Teddy Hart, although they are wary of him. <laughs> Go figure. Harry Smith has a good reputation, whereas Teddy Hart does not have a good one. That is the understatement of the century. I always thought that Davy Boy was, or Harry was the, uh, he, I thought he was the one that was actually related. He, he He's the son of, uh, wait, you, uh, well, Harry Smith is uh, Davy Boy Smith's son, and Davy Boy is married to Brett's sister. Okay. Uh, 
Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of family lines to untangle here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Teddy Hart is Brett's nephew, uh, and he's half. Uh, I think I want to say he's half Mexican, which is why he's he's darker complected. Um, I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure I'm I'm right. He um uh let's see I'm sorry Harry Smith I'm trying to figure out when exactly he debuted he did he did pop up in the developmental territories uh of WWE in 2006 he didn't actually debut because I remember him debuting with the Hart Dynasty and that wasn't for three more years so he debuted in '09 either way that uh that did not come to fruition Teddy Hart he got quite a few shots in WWE apparently and he blew them all. I think he's blown every shot he's ever had, ever. <laughs> so, it is what it gotta, is. Gotta live up to your family name, right? And that puts a lot of pressure on people. I, I don't don't give him a pass to be an a hole, but it makes sense. Same same thing with Randy Orton. Uh, he was 24, 23, 24 when he won the the championship the first time. I know he was billed as the youngest youngest ever. Um, yeah. When you're trying to, to build your name and then live in the shadow of your parents, there's a lot of pressure. So it, it makes sense that some of these guys can't can't hack it. Yeah, and and I I get that and I get the pressure and whatever. But he, he had a lot of lot of issues, um, substance wise and just behavioral outside of the substances. <laughs> this next story, who man, um, it's a we're we're on we're between WrestleMania and backlash by the way just to set a, a tone here for where we are with wwe wwe has an, has announced that there will be a handicap match on raw this monday after this event the hype for the match claims quote this man is sacrificing his only begotten son against Shawn michaels and god so do you remember backlash i remember this i remember this yes and, and they have so, a light representing Representing the the representing the God character. Yeah, he had he said, "Well, come on, let's uh, let, let's have God come to the ring." And they just had a spotlight, and then he was like, "Oh, God needs some music. Play, play some music for it." And they played uh, somebody called my mama, and Vince danced with lights going off in the ring. It was so messed up. And uh, apparently on Raw, I don't remember this, but building up to Backlash on Raw, they had a quote-unquote handicap match because it was going to be Shane versus Shawn Michaels and God in a handicap match. This was just all kinds of effed up. And if you think about Backlash, I, this adds a new layer to the effed upness. It took place at the Rupp Arena in Lexington, Kentucky. I lived in Cincinnati for a while right next to Kentucky. That is a very Christian state. So that makes it... Yeah, you're worse <laughs> you're right in the middle of the bible belt and then you're gonna say that you're gonna beat god or you're gonna wrestle god in a wrestling match that's he's yeah. got a i mean that if that doesn't secure you a hotel room in hell i don't know what does he had a vignette where him and shane walked into a catholic church he takes a handful of the the uh, the the not holy, holy yeah water. the holy water yeah, puts it in his mouth and spits it. Like he was like, "Hey Shane, who am I?" And like Shane steps away, like he's gonna get struck by lightning. And it's just like, God, this whole thing. If you you don't even have to be a Christian to be offended by this. It was just in bad taste. All the, 
not just Christian, but I like Jewish people were saying offended them as well. It's just uh, not good, and it was very unnecessary. I just don't. What was the point? What was it saying that the McMahons were better than God, or the McMahons were God? What what was what was going on there? <laughs> Basically, yeah. As uh, Vince wanted to say, oh, I I crushed WCW, and now I beat God, and it's like, uh, like or why? or was it a shot at Michaels for his his uh, born again kind of stance that he was taking? That's another thing. As a, if you're going to be considered a Christian, and, and you're claiming, I'm a Christian, why would you... And Shawn Michaels in 2006, I would say, had some pull. I'm just gonna, you know, figure that. He could have easily vetoed this and said, nah, not doing that. It's effed up. Yeah. It did not win the most uh, disgusting promotional tactic of the year, by the way. I think it was on the list in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter uh, Awards. Uh, the most disgusting promotional tactic this year was one, it was won by WWE, but it was supposedly uh, exploitation of the death of Eddie Guerrero. Okay, I mean, I think this was, this was the year they had, they pushed Rey Mysterio so hard because they're like, oh, well, we have to push you now because Eddie died. Like, everybody knew what they were yeah. doing. And we talked it's, about that. It's true. It's, yeah. That, uh, was, well, that was tough. I mean, that whole I was I was glad to see Ray get pushed out of that. I mean, I don't yeah was never a huge Ray Mysterio fan, but I was a big enough Eddie fan that I understood what they were doing. I didn't see it as a I don't think that they were exploiting it. I think they were it was more of an honor thing, I guess. If I were to look at it, I wouldn't say that they were exploiting his death. Uh, well, then you had Ray, you know, to get heat. Everybody just said crap about Eddie Batista went off on Ray one time, it was like, Eddie's dead. Went out, of, out of nowhere. Uh, Randy Orton, before their match at, uh, that we actually covered recently on uh, No Way Out 2006, he said, Ray, I don't know why you're looking up, because Eddie's not up there in heaven, he's down there in hell. And it's like, ah, gosh, man. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of very um, effed up stuff about heaven, hell, God, and the devil going on in 2006 in WWE. These these next two stories will definitely be, uh, for any collectors out there, this will be uh, interesting to y'all. And uh, shout out to Greg. He's he's the main event collector here. Sherry Martell has signed a deal with Jack Specific to have a WWE Classic Superstars action figure made. This would be the first action figure of Sherry Martell ever produced, as Hasbro never made a sensational Sherry action figure. I didn't, I don't have any of hers. I think there's a, yeah, there's, I'm pretty sure there's a Mattel. I'll have to ask Greg if he has that one. But meanwhile, Demolition Axe, Bill Eady, is the latest wrestling star from the past to sign with Jack Specific. Demolition Smash, aka Barry Darso, he signed on with Jax a few weeks ago. And thus, a Demolition set is expected to be released in the future. Also, Bill Eady recently announced that he was writing an autobiography. I don't know anything about the autobiography, but I have their figures. Even though I'm not a huge collector, I do, did play with I, I played with the figures. I didn't collect the figures. I had I booked the figures. Is how I put it. Yeah. But if I yeah. had a uh, demolition set, they would be one that stayed on the shelf and nobody ever got to touch. And I would also I would have like a shrine built and have their theme playing because I think their theme was one of the best of of all time. Sounded like Alice Cooper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, yeah I. 
I bought the the Jax figures. I bought them loose, so they weren't in the package. Uh, but yeah, so I I jumped on them though, and when I was at WrestleCon again, WrestleCon 2018, uh, I saw Axe Smash sitting there, and I ran right the hell over and got autographs. So that was cool. I don't know if you uh, will remember this particular thing here, but a number of movie websites have picked up on the story of uh, Steve Austin's film starting pre-production in Australia. This film was The Condemned. You ever see that? I, I do. I, I, we did, actually. Uh, I played football in college, and on the road trips, we would we were in the charter buses, so we would have the DVD player, and the coaches would bring, I think, couple years we had a receivers coach with probably two of those uh i know that i'm not very i already said that i'm not very old but i remember the dvd <laughs> sleeves where you would have yeah. the big book of dvds and yep. the condemned was a regular that we would throw on especially going to the games to get you know watch steve austin jack up a whole bunch of criminals on an island that that was a good way to get jacked up for a football game i guess oh yeah uh they made a sequel to it i want to say with randy orton Mm, I wasn't very good. This one was was really good though. It was honestly my favorite W. Like a lot of people go to the Marine, which I mean that's a good choice. I like the Marine, but the Condemned is probably my favorite WWE films movie, and I also like Twelve Rounds. That was a good one with John Cena. Mm-hmm. WWE Studios had a few that I think were good, but they were already they already had the reputation of making bad movies. I really like. 12 Rounds was good with Cena, and uh, he had another one, The Reunion, where he was actually with a couple of bigger stars, too. That was pretty good. Yeah, it was just funny that all of Cena's WWE movies, somebody was getting kidnapped, and he had to go save them. <laughs> yeah. I will say I was not a fan of the Cena Evil movies. I didn't think they were all that good. Uh, and for anybody out there, avoid Like the Plague. Avoid that movie uh, Leprechaun Origins. It has, yeah. It had nothing. It had nothing to do with the Leprechaun movies that we all love to laugh at. It was a standalone thing, and it was horrible. But anyway, here's here's a good one. Uh, the New York Post is reporting that WWE diva Stacy Keebler, who would uh, not be a diva much longer after this, was paid over two hundred thousand dollars to appear on ABC's Dancing with the Stars program, according to reports. That amount far exceeds her annual salary with WWE. According to the story, quote, just for appearing on Dancing, all the contestants are paid a base of $125,000 for the first two weeks of the show and are given about $20,000 each week after until they are voted off. Man, I'd, uh, you know, go on there and suck at Dancing for a week for one hundred twenty-five grand. Yeah. Uh, that might make it the the slip disc that Jericho got when he was on it. That might make it worth it. Oh, I didn't know he got a slip disc on that show. Good grief. Yeah, that was uh, that was the reason why he got into DDP yoga was he did something where he was supposed to like pull the his partner between his legs, and he said yeah. he went to pull and he slipped his disc, and they were they were either gonna have to fuse his back or Ooh. DDP can work his voodoo magic on him, and and that was gonna be how they fixed it. Wow, nice. But yeah, I don't watch uh, Dancing with the Stars at all, but never never have. But I did see the clip of Chris Jericho. <laughs> he uh, they they danced on Mother's Day, 
and he said uh, he was dedicating it to his mother. And instead of using his, uh, instead of using his actual like uh, the name Chris Jericho, he's like, well, tonight I'm Chris Irvine, <laughs> like, which is his real name. And I was just like, cool, I guess. I don't know. Anyway. According to the Lowell Sun, at a recent John Cena autograph signing, signing in Massachusetts, 12 police cruisers had to be called in to help control a rowdy crowd of 1,200 fans. The event was overbooked and people got angry. There were no arrests, although one person was struck by a car in the parking lot. That person suffered only minor injuries. And people uh, be flocking in, uh, in Massachusetts to see John Cena, man. How many rap battles do you think that you had to have that day? Because oh, I was coming, just coming yeah. off the the rapper gimmick. Yeah, yep. I, I couldn't imagine being him at one of those one of those autograph signings during that time. Oh man, yeah, that would sucked. <sighs> but every wannabe white rapper in West Newberry comes out to see you. <laughs> right. Uh, but now we are finally on to the TNA stuff here. I only got a few stories. Uh, Frankie Kazarian is looking to come back to TNA, but the promotion is against a Matt Bentley-Kazarian reunion. Bentley is said to have heat for his attitude, and they don't want to pair Kazarian with someone who already has heat with some people. Yeah, absolutely nobody has a bad word to say about Frankie Kazarian, even to this day. Matt Bentley, I didn't know that he had heat, but he is the cousin of Shawn Michaels, so makes sense. Something about that family, man. <laughs> Yeah, got to click up in that family, and, and if you're not in the click, you're not in it, that's for sure. Right, yeah. They all wear chaps, they all have uh, long hair, and they all uh, have heat backstage. And they Sean, all throw super Sean Sexy Boys. Yeah, right. Are we sure the Young Bucks aren't, aren't in that family? Well, well I mean, yeah, because now, you know, Sean has found God, and, and uh, the, the Young Bucks have a t-shirt that does say they are Christian AF. So, <laughs> you never know. But all right, Uncle Dave Meltzer reports that the updated numbers for Final Resolution, including the replays, have the show doing TNA's highest buy rate numbers to date at around 55,000 buys. Wow. Wouldn't have called that one. <laughs> no, I'm, TNA had a little bit of, of heat coming in this period. I mean, people, I know at least I was intrigued when they, especially when I first saw the six-sided ring. So it wasn't like they... And we were kind of talking leading up to recording this. It wasn't like they didn't have anything. They were just wildly – I mean, they're still wildly mismanaged, and not keeping a TV contract in this day and age is going to kill your company. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, I mean, if you're looking at the, the, the card for the show, uh, the main event was Christian Cage and Sting against Jeff Hardy and Monty Brown. That was cool. Uh, X Division title, Samoa Joe defending against Christopher Daniels. AMW versus Team 3D for the tag titles, and uh, Sean Waltman fought Raven in a in a no disqualification match with a stipulation that if Raven lost, he would be fired from TNA. Waltman won the encounter, causing Raven to be fired uh, from TNA in storyline. And we'll actually talk about this um, uh, later on in this pay per view. It, it it comes up, but yeah. So all, all in all, not a bad show, I think. And uh, to close out the news and notes here, last story I got. Sabu suffered a broken arm and a concussion last week wrestling in Mexico. As of now, he is still scheduled to wrestle Samoa Joe on Sunday at lockdown and has told those in TNA, despite the injury, he will give the match 110%. 
I'm not shocked that Sabu is wrestling with a broken effing arm. Nope. Actually, kind of works with his gimmick. Right. He's all taped up anyway, so just tape that damn arm up and get out there. I'll be honest, I didn't notice during the match, so that's cool. No, I, I only I only noticed when they referenced his arm being all taped up, but it wasn't hindering anything that he was doing. Yeah, right. But all right, man, that's the news and notes. You ready to get into uh, the event at hand? Yep, let's get into it. I'm, I'm ready. All right, well, we're going to take another quick break. Uh, I want to remind everybody to subscribe and leave a review if you are listening on the podcast, uh, like the actual podcast and not on Unhinged. But if you're not listening on Unhinged, you should be, because uh, Wednesday we drop a new show on 8 p- at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, unhingedsn.airtime.pro. And uh, we come on Thursdays at 8 p.m. as well. Check us out, or uh, excuse me, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Check us out there if you miss it on Wednesdays. And uh, we will be right back after this break. Follow the Main Event Marks at Facebook.com forward slash Main Event Marks Pod, on Twitter at Main Event underscore Marks, and on Instagram at Main Event underscore Marks, and at Main Event Collector. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. My name is Thomas, and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah got the mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. We right. shared a room. I thought I knew your face. Yeah, we so go maybe. way back, mate. Yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do, we do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The... Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah, well... What do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books, we're talking professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also check us out on Twitter, at The Broadcast. That's B-R-O... K-A-S-T. Hey, the ending. Hey, it's all right. Good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the Broadcast Podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C. We spell it with a K. Sorry, mate. Take it easy. <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. <laughs> the perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. (sighs) The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. The main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. Okay, we are back, and it is time to dive into TNA Lockdown 2006. Uh, the date was April 26, 2006. The tagline, Six Sides of Steel. The venue was at the TNA Impact Zone in Orlando, Florida. The attendance, 900 people. It's about all they could jam in there in that little sound stage. 
and the pay-per-view buy rates were roughly between 40 to 45,000 buys. The exact numbers were never published. So, getting into this one here, the opening package focuses on the danger of the six eyes of steel. Abyss had broke into Christian Cage's house and playing mind games with him and uh, took a bump into the pool. That was uh, yeah, something. Tried to, tried to murder him in his own pool. Yeah, that was uh, nuts. Uh, Sabu also tried to end Samoa Joe's winning streak that he's got going on, and they also also highlighted the lethal lockdown match, which we talked about was their uh, version of War Games. We'll get into more of that uh, when the when the match comes up. Uh, first match of the night was a six-man tag team match inside the six sides of steel. It went 12 minutes, three seconds between Team Japan and Team USA. Team Japan consisted of Black Tiger, Minoru Tanaka, and Hiroki Goto. And Team USA was Sanjay Dutt, Jay Lethal, and Alex Shelley. Black Tiger was played by Rocky Romero at this time. If anybody knows Rocky from uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, he's a veteran. Uh, Goto was clearly a young lion at this point because he's wearing just plain black trunks and wrestling shoes. People usually have a visceral reaction to him and in uh, New Japan right now. I'm a fan, but not everybody is. The end of the match here was uh, Black Tiger wins with a bridging Tiger suplex on Jay Lethal. Uncle Dave gave this three and a quarter star. I gave it three and a half stars. What do you think of it? I gave it an even three. Uh, I, I so There were a couple of spots that I really enjoyed in this one, and the, the first one was the mat wrestling with Jay Lethal. Um, and I think it might have been... It was Goto in the Black Trunks, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was those two, and they were just mat wrestling, which I wrestled all through high school, so I have a big appreciation for that style. Um, and I think the, the spots were innovative, and you can never really tell who was going to win, and that, that was a big thing. So it was better than average. I just, uh, it was, it was the first, it was a good opening match, I thought. So I gave it just three straight up. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I always love the X Division action. Starting off the pay-per-view with it hot is cool. I like, um, I mean, I like Sanjay Dutt, and I always thought he was pretty underrated. So did Greg. Uh, Jay Lethal was always great. Alex Shelley is one of my low-key favorites. And uh, Rocky Romero's pretty good as Black Tiger. I like Hiroki Goto. I don't know who Minoru Tanaka is. I've never seen him before or since, so that's new to me. It, it was uh, interesting, too, because it, there was no... I mean, obviously, there were legal partners because there were times where the guys were on the apron. But I think that's what kind of made it only three stars for me was I lost who the legal partners were at times. And yeah. there were there were some times where they would break up the pinfall, and there were other times where they would kick out. So it was kind of it was difficult to follow, and then you can kind of see where the spots were. I don't like the idea of tags in a cage. I just uh, I, I don't like it not being like a tornado tag style. But I don't know. I they they tried to tone down the craziness with with that. I get it, but it all broke down in the end anyway. So. But after the match, we get an advertisement for the new TNA Toys before Jeremy Borash interviews Team 3D, which is Brother Ray, Brother Devon, and Brother Runt, who was Spike Dudley, for those that don't know. Uh, they take a shot at WWE with Brother Ray saying that he'd rather go work for, quote, that miserable company up in Stanford, Connecticut, rather than stand for the Canadian National Anthem. Devon asks if he's serious, and he says, of course not, he's just kidding around. <sighs> 
I was just ribbing you guys. Come on. Yeah, right. That, uh... You know, Bubba got himself fired. Got got the team fired. Because apparently he called Triple H the... Er, not Triple H. He called Stephanie McMahon the C-word out loud to everybody. And, uh... uh and Devon said, I guess we'll pack our bags. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. That would... It, you can't call the boss's daughter that word, especially. Can't really make yeah. fun of her. Well, I mean... You can call her a dirty trash bag hoe if you're the rock. Right. But you can't can't say anything if you're not the rock. Um I I kinda wanted to, to just to mention I think Bubba was kinda bad in this promo, but when he gets to the club, his promo got so good in TNA. That it was just crazy to think of how good he would get on the mic after this period. Oh yeah, yeah. This um I mean, he had he was always he was usually on. There were some times where it's like, nah, that one didn't hit. But usually he was he was pretty um, he, he was pretty on. Uh, if, if anybody really wants to hear what uh, Bubba Ray, Brother Ray, Bully Ray, whatever the hell you want to call him, uh, if you want to hear what he can do on the mic, um, you know, offensive style, go check out our uh, Heat Wave 1999 episode in the archives. Uh, after that interview, though, Larry Zabisco walks up and he asks Jeremy Borash what tonight's big announcement is, and JB says he has no idea. That'll be a running thing through the rest of the night. We'll get to that. Up next, I forgot about this whole thing, so this was kind of cool for me. It was Christopher Daniels versus Senshi. We'll talk about who Senshi is here, but it was just a regular Six Sides of Steel match in 12 minutes, 5 seconds. This is Loki's return under a new name. They even announced him as, quote, formerly known as Loki, he is Senshi. As far as I know, he left TNA, went to Ring of Honor, because he was wrestling in both for a while. He went back exclusively to Ring of Honor. And then when he left Ring of Honor, and they knew he was leaving, he said, I will never wrestle anywhere under the name Loki again. That's for you guys. I'm using a different name elsewhere. And uh, so that's why he went with Senshi. It's kind of stupid. Uh, Loki did a lot of stupid things, in my opinion, in his career. Uh, but whatever. He he was also Caval for like a hot minute in WWE. That didn't really go anywhere, but either way, Senshi wins with a bridging Northern Light suplex with his feet on the ropes. Uncle Dave gave this three and a half stars. I gave it an even three. What say you? I gave it four. Uh, I thought that they used... You almost forgot it was a cage match, because they didn't use yeah. the cage for over half of it, and then once they started using it, it just, it was a good way to build up to the big spot, so I gave it four, and I really enjoyed Christopher Daniels in the ring, I haven't, now I'm now that he's on AEW and a little bit more on my radar, I'm, I'm able to see more of his in-ring stuff, but I was hearing about him even back when I wasn't exclusively watching TNA, and I would go back and watch his matches, just, because if they're that good and everybody's telling me how good they are, I, I gotta go check them out. Oh yeah, he's fantastic. I always love seeing uh, Christopher Daniels in the ring, either back then, today, whenever. He was great in a tag team, great singles, great in multi-man matches. Fantastic wrestler that just got got his big break in AEW a little too late. But I don't think Senshi stuck around that long in TNA, but he, he was always back and forth in TNA. Never, never stuck around too long. But now we go to the back where Jeremy Borash is with the James Gang and Bullet Bob Armstrong. 
They're talking about the upcoming arm wrestling match between Bob and Conan. And Bob says that Conan was like family, and he broke their hearts. So tonight, they're all going to strap Conan when he loses. And that brings us to this segment. LAX comes out first. This is the LAX that I know and love, and I remember. It is Conan, Homicide, and Hernandez. They had uh, gotten rid of Machete at this point. Conan says that his arm hurts after beating up some Orlando punk asses. And the James Gang comes out next with Bullet Bob. Not really too much to say about this other than Bullet Bob ends up winning the arm wrestling contest. And BG James tells LAX to, quote, assume the position for the strapping. All three men grab the top rope and they get strapped ten times by each man. Not sure the crowd really gave a damn about this. Any any opinions on this one? No, it definitely seemed like it was more for the boys in the ring than the, the people at the arena. It was it was entertaining, I'll give it that. And anytime BG was on the mic, even back in he's he's with the most, I think, mimicked guy from WWE when he was with uh when they were the road dog or the the New Age Outlaws. So yeah. I I enjoy hearing him talk, but yeah, I could have done with this could have been a uh, ending to an impact or something like that. This could have been a, a after the last match segment or something. Yeah, this didn't need to be on. <laughs> this didn't need to be in a cage. It didn't need to be on lockdown pay-per-view. It's it, blah. But now to the back again, where Jeremy Borash is with Jeff Jarrett, Scott Steiner, and America's Most Wanted, which is Chris Harris and James Storm. Larry Zabisco comes out, uh, come or excuse me, comes up to them to let them know that they won the coin toss for the main event lethal lockdown match. That, the heels won? Go figure. Uh, the heels now all take turns talking crap. James Storm has uh, just now started telling people that he's sorry about their damn luck. So that's uh, that's the start of something that he would carry on with him for the rest of his But now it is time for this. It is Elix Skipper with Simon Diamond in his corner taking on Petey Williams with Coach Scott Demore in his corner versus Puma versus Chase Stevens versus Shark Boy versus Chris Sabin. <sighs> That's a mouthful. It is an X Division Xscape match uh, that went 12 minutes 52 seconds. Mike Tanay stays consistent with the fat jokes at Scott Demore, calling him quote Canadian Bacon. He bumped me on that one. <laughs> it, it was funny. But I gotta point out, his broadcast partner sitting right next to him is at least as big as Demore, if not bigger. Oh, Just you're gonna, you're gonna come out. at DW like that? Okay. I, I mean, Don West. I mean, he was uh, he was a hefty boy. I'm just gonna put that out there. But anyway, this starts with people just tagging in and out. Then it just breaks down. I guess you can either win via escaping or competitors can pin and submit each other until the final two, and then you have to escape to win. I I think those are the rules. I'm not positive. Uh, Shark I Boy wasn't is... sure if you couldn't start it. I think that if you escape before the last two, it doesn't do anything. I, I thought that's how that was the stipulation to keep everybody inside at first. I don't know, because uh, I can't remember. One of them might have been Chase Stevens. I don't remember. Or uh, One of them tried escaping, and everybody jumped him and tried pulling him back in. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, this, this match is weird. I didn't enjoy the stipulation. Uh, but Shark Boy is pinned first, then Stevens, 
then Skipper, and finally Puma. Uh, and then Williams and Saban battle it out until Saban hits the hesitation drop kick in the corner. Uh, and is, he's about to win, but Scott Demore holds him up outside of the cage. Williams and Saban battle it out on the side of the cage for a while until Saban drops, and he wins! I took points away from this for the weird stipulation. Uncle Dave gave it three and a half, and I just gave it three. What say you? I gave it two and a half. I was with you. I didn't really understand the stipulation, but I like the way they did, 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 they did the finish because there's been a million and a half cage match finishes now where you have to decide who landed first. Uh, but Williams going to drop and then landing on Demore's shoulders, I thought was an interesting take on how you can finish that match. And the in-ring stuff, when it wasn't all chaotic, I, I put down here, I think Puma was underutilized. I think that they could have got a little bit more out of him. And why? Do you, do you have any clue why they got they let Sharkboy get in so much offense? They, I don't know. They pushed him at various times. So I, I don't know. I it, never. It surprised me. I didn't. I, I expected him to be the squash. I expected him to be. He did get eliminated first, but I didn't expect him to put up a fight. Yeah, uh, he really got pushed later. Well, pushed doesn't got more TV time later on when he got a head injury and then he started acting like he was Stone Cold Steve Austin. I don't know if you remember that about him at all. He, uh, he would drink clam juice instead of beer, and uh, he would say, Oh, Shell, yeah. And <laughs> stupid. But anyway, uh, the <laughs> after, after that, Jeremy Borash is backstage again with James Mitchell and Abyss. I thought Mitchell cut one hell of a promo I really enjoyed. Uh, one, one line in particular I liked was when he said, uh, Sometimes you stare into the Abyss, and the Abyss stares back at you. Uh, just, yeah, he had the he he dropped that line and then he had a reference to Nietzsche. Look at TNA pulling out existential philosophy. Yeah, right. Yeah, James James Mitchell was uh he he cut some good promos like uh, Eric Bischoff for some reason freaking does not like the guy and sees no value in him. I always thought he was a good manager. But getting into this he next fit one, well here. as the the devil, he fit well as the devil character. Oh, yeah. Well, did you know he's an actual ordained minister in the Church of Satan? No, that was news to me, actually. That makes a lot more sense now, though. Yep. Yep. He is a, uh, uh hey, maybe in the future he'll, uh, he'll officiate the wedding of Lil Nas X and somebody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> had to, had to break that one out. <laughs> All right. This oh. next one, man. Uh, speaking of sadism, <laughs> um, Samoa Joe versus Sabu here. Sa uh, Samoa Joe is defending the X-Division title in a Six Sides of Steel match. That's right. We talked about... We reviewed last month's pay-per-view where Joe lost it at Destination X. Well, he won it back. And he's defending it here against Sabu. This one went six minutes, ten seconds. Sabu starts off hot, drop-kicking Joe's leg and then locking in the camel clutch. This thing is all action from the start. Sabu gets busted open by Joe. He pulls out a spike at one point, tries to stab Joe in the face, uh, just like dear old Uncle Sheik did it. In the end, Sabu goes for a triple jump moonsault, but he's up on the top rope. Joe stands up and throws a chair, busting Sabu, and he falls on the top rope. And Joe grabs him, hits a muscle buster, pins him. That's all she wrote. Uncle Dave and I both gave it two and a half stars. What say you? I gave it two. 
and it's mainly because I've never enjoyed Sabu. I didn't like any <laughs> of the stuff that he really did in ECW, and I, you could definitely tell they gave him the legends bump to where these old guys come back and they're starting. Because Joe was Joe was the monster of TNA for so long, Sabu shouldn't have been able to come in at the age that he was and put up any kind of a fight. I, I don't know. I gave it two. I don't he like was, Sabu. That, those are my two things. I've I've always my my co-host is kind of the same way. I don't think he really appreciates anything from Sabu. I've always kind of enjoyed him. He's one of the ECW guys that I don't hate, uh, at least in the ring. And uh, you know, he was actually a character in the Legends of Wrestling video games back in the day. The old for uh, PlayStation 2, I want to say. And at the time, I didn't know who the hell Sabu was. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? But yeah, he's uh, he was in those video games. Now we go backstage again. JB, Jeremy Borash is with Team Canada. They talk about how they're going to raise the Canadian flag tonight and sing Oh Canada before beating or after beating Team 3D. Coach Scott Demore looks like the fat kid from the It movies all grown up. I just now noticed that. Uh, am I wrong? Uh, no, you're 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 right, and he has the same personality and everything like that. So, <laughs> yeah. or or uh, some I was expecting somebody to tell him to do the trouble shuffle. Oh my gosh, yeah, the kid from uh from the Goonies. Goonies. Good lord. Larry Zabisco comes up and asks asks Demore what tonight's big announcement is. Demore claims that he knows something, but he won't share what he knows. So yeah. I just love that whole thing. It's like, well, I know. Well, what is it? Well, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> yeah, okay. You really think that the Canadians are going to tell the Americans what's going on? No. No, yeah, come they don't want to drop their You've watched wrestling. You've yeah. watched you watch wrestling. Canadians are the ultimate heels. Yeah, right. You, you, you know that long-lasting war we once had with the Canadians that, you know, took many lives, you know. And broke many families. That was that was a big deal that you know needs to be represented in professional wrestling. My God. But uh, anyway, if we get this next match, it is a six-man tag team anthem match inside of the Six Sides of Steel. It's Team Canada, represented by Bobby Roode, Eric Young, and A1. They have Coach Scott Demore in their corner. They are taking on Team 3D of Brother Ray, Brother Devon, and Brother Runt. This went for eight minutes forty-seven seconds. The point of this, I guess, is, like, you capture the flag that's hanging on the outside of the cage, and then they play your anthem. Weird, but fine. Brother Ray and Brother Runt are wearing war paint for this one. Devon is not, so Devon whatever. has all the baby oil on that he could find in the back, but no, he yeah. does not wear face paint. Yeah, he's a baby oil badass tonight. Uh, Team 3D gets the American flag first, but the referee gets bumped. They play the music anyway and then realize, oh shit, and they stop it. Demore slides a table into the cage. Eric Young misses an elbow drop and he goes through the table. Team 3D hits a 3D on Bobby Roode and gets the American flag again for the win. So Uncle Dave gave this only a star and three quarters. I just gave it an even two stars because it wasn't very good, but it didn't suck. What say you? I gave it two and a half, and it was just the thoughts that were... Whenever I saw Bobby, I heard Glorious in my head. Um, but huh. I, they had TNA had some pretty good nicknames. I think the Canadian Enforcer is one of the more underrated nicknames in wrestling. Uh, yeah. And then I did the What's Up. I did. I was one of those guys where I was watching it back, and I did the What's Up when Devon went to the top rope and did his head, but uh, uh, Ey's crotch. But I, <laughs> I didn't hate it. It was 
it definitely I noticed what you said about the production crew where they were playing the national anthem. They're like, oh, no, the ref hasn't seen it yet. So, oh, crap. We, we, yeah. we weren't in on the finish. Oh, boy. Yeah. False finish. My bad. Yeah, good grief. Uh, you, I, I did like EY's gimmick, though. I do. I, I heard you guys talk about his paranoid gimmick uh, in the Destination X one. And then seeing it, especially in this match, because he and Runt were the two guys on the corner. And you yeah. could, EY, EY sold it pretty well. I, I actually believe that he was paranoid looking around for somebody. He had just started that recently, thinking that Sting was going to come out and get him. And then eventually, he ended, he ended up becoming a babyface because he was such a goof. And all the heels were, like, getting mad at him for being such a goof. Uh, and he was funny. Now he's uh, a psychopath that wears a Jason mask to the ring. So there's that. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, he he's uh, back in Impact. But all right, now uh, Christy Hemi now makes her debut, dancing her way to ringside before handing Mike Tanay a note. It's from the new anonymous face of TNA management, who I believe turns out to be Jim Cornette. Uh, he says that Larry Zabisco is now on probation for a quish, uh, for a uh, questionable activities. Larry comes out to the ring, shouting and throwing a fit. Action number two is that Raven has been reinstated to TNA after Zabisco fired him. Raven, who now has blue hair, chases Larry around the ring, and then Larry locks himself inside of the cage before security gets between them. Raven does not look good. Raven looks rough, like he's been... He's lived the gimmick a little bit too much. Oh yeah, he's seen some things. (laughs) So... Yeah... Yeah... I was always a big fan of Raven. Um, I got the figure of Raven with it, not with the blue hair, but he's wearing the, the skirt and shirtless and all that. So I was a big Raven mark during his TNA run. So I don't know. Uh, he, I think he went on to, I think he won the NWA title after this. Cause this was like right before they went to spike, I think. And uh, he won it. And then right before they went to spike, they went, Oh crap. Uh, we don't want you to be our world champion when we go to Spike. We need somebody marketable, like Jeff Jarrett. So they had him drop it at a house show in Canada to Jeff Jarrett. And then they showed, like, cell phone camera footage of it on, on Impact. Can't stop the Jarrett push. He's going to push himself to the top. Yeah, because when you tune into Impact and you see Jeff Jarrett on top, you're like, God dang it, I'm sticking around for this one. But now, to the back again, Jeremy Borash tries to interview Christian Cage. But Christian gets serious, and he takes off his entrance gear, he sta- he glares at Borash, then he just walks away without saying a word. One of the only times I've never heard Christian Cage have any words. I, I loved it. I thought that it, it was perfect for the, the match that they were setting up. And it, it, went, with, yeah. uh, it went with the promo. I mean, the, the when you almost get drowned by somebody in the pool, I wouldn't do much talking <laughs> before I was able to try and handle that. Yeah, you break into your house, terrorize your, your house and your wife and all that. Yep, I get it. But and we should point out that TNA did the housebreaking uh, storyline before WWE did with Triple H and Randy Orton. Right. Well, they also did it with breaking into, I think it was um, uh, Jeff Jarrett broke into Jeff Hardy's hotel room and beat him up one time. <laughs> so that was something. But anyway, this one. Stay on your toes, brother. I know. Always be ready for a fight. That's why John Cena always wears his knee pads and his jorts. Always got to be ready for the fight. 
But this one is Christian Cage defending the NWA World Heavyweight title in Six Sides of Steel against Abyss with James Mitchell in his corner. It went about 14 minutes. This starts off outside of the cage. They battle through the audience. By the time they get inside of the cage, Abyss is dominating Christian. This is TNA in a cage, so the ref must get bumped when the baby face has a heel right when he, where he wants him. Abyss tries to hit Christian with the NWA title, but Christian ducks it. And he hits the unprettier for a near Christian nails a frog slash from the top of the cage for a near fall after that. That can't be it. More ass must be kicked. Abyss comes, uh, makes a comeback, and he scatters thumbtacks in the ring, because of course he does, only for Christian to beat him with, <laughs> with James Mitchell's cane. That was kind of funny. Uh, when Christian's about to win, Abyss chokeslams a ref into the side of the cage to knock him out again. <laughs> Uh, Christian Sunset Flip powerbombs Abyss onto the tacks, and a new ref runs out for a near fall. Abyss can't win with a black hole slam after that, so he scatters more thumbtacks in the ring. Christian hits the unprettier on Abyss face first into the tacks, and that will do it. Christian retains. Uncle Dave gave this three and a quarter star. I gave it three and a half stars. As much as I laughed at some of that, I really... Doug, this match. What do you say? I gave it four. I, I, uh, it was right for Christian, and it was a good match for him to come in. I know that he had been in TNA before this match, but he never really got a chance like this in WWE. And I thought that he did a great job with the match that he was given. This is technically they called it co-main events in the lead up to this match. This was one of them, and yep. I think that it was really good. That frog splash off the top of the cage, I went. I, I said holy shit along with the crowd. And yeah. uh, it was it, one part of it, though, I did notice that hole in the cage. I didn't notice it until they they did one camera shot through it. And I was like, why is there a hole in the cage? I thought the whole point of this was that they're locked in it. And then uh, Abyss's manager, who I his name is just spacing my head, James threw Mitchell. in all the – yeah, James Mitchell started throwing the weapons through it. And I was like, oh, well, that's probably why they gave you the shot through that hole so that you're like – doesn't it makes sense now that all the weapons are entering the cage? Yeah, that was always a thing with TNA because of the way their cage was. They needed a way to get good camera angles in there, so they cut like little holes in the cage um, in the corners, and then they would be able to shove the camera through. And they've actually used that at multiple lockdown events uh, during the match, like people would get pulled through it or you know something like that. So. Uh, uh, yeah, that was uh, this was kind of the start of, of them really using that to you know shove crap through. But yeah, right, I, I was also really to like, abyss for that face spot, that face spot on the thumbtacks. Good lord, yeah. Well, this this goes back to Mitchell complained about this in shoot interviews. He said Abyss's issue that he had with him was he would do all the hardcore stuff, but he said you set up all this stuff to cause damage, and then you trip over your own dick and fall through it yourself every time. He said it gets old after a while. Like, yeah, because it makes you look like a freaking moron. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, I As soon as the thumbtacks came out, I was like, oh, Abyss is going on those. And I didn't think, yep. even on the second bag of ticks, I was like, there's no way Christian's taking a tack bump. It's either going to just be there or they're going to give Abyss another one. He did get tacks in his back during the unprettier spot, but that is about it. Because uh, you could tell he landed on him because he's like holding his back like, ah, oh, crap, I sat in him. <laughs> <laughs> but after the match, 
Christian goes after James Mitchell in the ring, and Abyss low blows Cage before wrapping a chain around his fist, another weapon now, and he punches Cage with it, busting him wide open. It's not often you see a guy get color after the match, but Abyss then wraps the chain around Cage's neck, and he hangs him outside of the cage, choking him out. This was pretty gruesome looking, and uh, I can't remember where it led to after this, but... I like how Abyss got his heat back after this, so we'll have to see where it, it goes. It wasn't, yeah. This match I didn't really like. I didn't really like the pre-brawl until they got into the cage. I feel like that's the spot that you do in the go-home TV before yeah. a pay-per-view. It just felt like it was not necessary. Afterwards, I did like the way Christian sold getting hung like that. I mean, it's. He he had the foaming of the mouth or the spit coming out of his mouth as he was passing out. So I, it was yeah. a good image, but I just didn't understand it. I guess. Yeah, I can't remember where they went after this. Uh, so I can't remember if this is the one. I know there was one where if you lose via DQ, uh, you lose the title. And I this might have been the time that Abyss won the NWA title via disqualification, which. Uh, ironically enough, would be how Christian won the uh, World Heavyweight title in WWE from Randy Orton. Uh, he won by getting kicked in his own nads. That that was that was cool for Christian. That's exactly the way you want to win a world championship. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> but uh, now we go to the back. It's Jeremy Borash with AJ Styles, Raw the Truth, Killings, and Rhino. Killings just does his rap lyrics again. Styles puts over how great Sting is. Rhino gets pretty intense. And then Sting comes in and shouts, Woo! It's showtime, folks! And now we're getting ready for the main event. But we're going to take our second-to-last break here before we dive into the, the uh, main event lethal lockdown match. We'll get into it right after this. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Jim is more of a dog person, but his wife loves cats. All right, Rex, you ready? One, two, go get it. Yes, Jim has had to compromise on a lot of things, but not when it comes to cutting the cord. Fubo gives him all the sports he needs, as well as all the shows his family loves. Fetch my slippers. Don't compromise. Get all your favorite sports and TV shows. Go to FuboTV.com today. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. 
Main Event Marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. All right, we are back. We are in the home stretch. It's main event time, y'all. It is Jeff Jarrett's Army versus Sting's Warriors in the lethal lockdown match that went about 25 and a half minutes. Jeff Jarrett's Army is Jeff Jarrett, Scott Steiner, Chris Harris, and James Storm. They have Gail Kim in their corner. Sting's Warriors are Sting, AJ Styles, Rhino, and Ron the Truth Killings. Let's get into this one. It is a, uh, if, if anybody knows how War Games works, it's basically War Games without a roof and in only in one cage. And then when everybody's in the in the ring, they lower the roof to the cage, and it's got weapons hanging off of it. So there you go. And you only win via pinfall, submission, that good stuff. But all right. Uh, Chris Harris starts off for his team with AJ Styles. Harris gets busted open, and then Styles is in control when Storm comes out next for his team. Styles gets busted open now. Drop kicks a cage door open and knocks down Gail Kim. Jackie Gata now comes out because she's feuding with Kim. Uh, Rhino is next in for his team. James Storm is bleeding now. Uh, Jeff Jarrett is the third entrant for his team. Ron Killings is next in for his. Everybody does the Tower of Doom spot off of the cage with AJ Styles drawing short straw and being on top. Finally, Scott Steiner is the last entrant for Jarrett's team. I like how it's Jarrett's team and he's not even the most over guy on it. Sting now comes out for his team to complete it. He piles the heels up in the corner and repeatedly splashes them right before the pyro goes off and the ceiling of the cage lowers, making the cage and completing the lethal lockdown. Uh, James Storm and AJ Styles climb out of a hole in the roof and onto the top of the cage, negating the idea of the lockdown. Uh, Gail Kim now scales the cage wall. And Jackie Gata pulls her skirt off of her and then smacks her with it. Okay, got to get some T and A on T and A. I just, you, we, you made that joke last week when I was tweeting about, or I tweeted, I was listening to your T and A show. It's not T and A the way you're thinking, but they just made it T and A the way we were thinking. Yep, absolutely, because, you know, you know who's writing this. Jeff Jarrett gets his guitar and he battles Sting, who has his bat. Steiner low blows Sting, and then Jarrett Elkabong's Sting. Meanwhile, Styles lays Storm out on a table on top of the cage. Yes, there is a table and a ladder on top of the cage. He climbs a ladder. He hangs off a lighting truss hanging from the ceiling, and then he splashes Storm through the table on top of the cage. This was nuts. The match ends when Chris Harris locks a Scorpion Deathlock in on Sting. Sting reverses it, and Harris taps out. Uh, I am just now realizing I didn't get Uncle Dave's rating for this. I'm going to have to look it up real quick. I gave it three and a half stars. What say you? I said three and a half as well. There was some good things. I When AJ climbed up onto the lighting thing, I wrote down he's going to kill himself. And I also wrote down that he's the baddest-ass male cheerleader of all time because <laughs> that was what he did before he got into wrestling. Uh, oh, but also, really? why is 55-year-old Sting invincible? Because he came down and wrecked shop. And I was like, he's, yep. he's old, he doesn't look like Sting, and and we're going to do this, really? Come on. Uh, by the way, Uncle Uncle Dave also gave it three and a half stars, so we're in consensus. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was a big Sting mark, so I can't complain too much, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, AJ Styles also almost went to the Olympics for uh, high jump, and apparently he did some amateur wrestling here and there, but 
He's a very athletic dude. I'll say that. So yeah, it was it was a really good lethal lockdown match. I remember. I will never forget that spot. The on top of the cage as long as I live. That was TNA's mankind spot, and I I rode that too when they got to the top of the cage. I was thinking that we were gonna get somebody falling off, but TNA doesn't have it set up to where you can really do that falling outside of the cage. So right, but I I think that that was that was that moment because everybody remembers the mankind Undertaker spot. That was TNA's big moment. Yeah, for sure. They did a lot of cool stuff with cages uh, throughout their history. This was one of the best. Uh, my thing was, the match ends and they literally get 10 seconds of celebration before the pay-per-view just cuts off. Yay, Sting wins! Good night, everybody! I hated that about TNA. They did that all the time. It's like, this was a big thing, and you're like, yay, we have a winner! See you Thursday! Cool? I, Alright. Yeah, they, uh, they got to take a page out of Eddie Guerrero's playbook because that's what everybody says when you're wrestling with Eddie. You lay there after a big spot. Don't move. Don't move. Just let it linger because if you let it linger, it means more. And yeah, right. And they could have taken a few pages out of that. They did that all the damn time. And just, like all I can think of is, is just Vince Russo in the back. Bro, nobody cares about celebrations, bro. More talking in the back, bro. <sighs> Whatever. With, with some guy that we dress like a Guido, for, who's we just pulled off a Jersey Shore, even though that's not where we are. Yeah, for sure. Right. Oh, God. Well, anyway, that's the show. We're going to take our final break of the podcast. When we come back, we're going to get into the final ratings, what we thought about it, and what's to come in, uh, hopefully, <laughs> in the coming weeks here on the podcast. We'll be right back. Follow the Main Event Marks at Facebook.com forward slash Main Event Marks Pod, on Twitter at Main Event underscore Marks, and on Instagram at Main Event underscore Marks, and at Main Event Collector. Sports fans are gearing up and saving big at Fanatics.com, the world's largest collection of officially licensed fan gear. From all the leagues, teams, and players you love, unique one-of-a-kind designs exclusively by Fanatics, and autographed collectibles from today's biggest stars shipped directly to your home. Join Fanatics Rewards for free to earn fan cash on every purchase. Shop now and for a limited time, get 20% off all orders. Fanatics.com, officially licensed everything. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on youtube now back to the show all right we are back i want to remind everybody to subscribe and review please leave a five-star review and say something nice 
uh, in the review. Let everybody know how much you you uh, enjoy the show and uh, request some stuff if you that uh, you might want us to cover in the future. But real quick, final ratings. IMDb gave it 7.9 out of 10. Cagematch.net gave it 7.68 out of 10. I gave it an 8 out of 10. I really like this one. What say you? Yeah, I gave it an 8. I uh, was thinking about a 7 just because of those couple matches that I didn't really like, and uh, some of the backstage spots were uh, not good in my opinion, but the really good matches made up for it. The Christopher Daniels, the... The Lethal Lockdown made up for it. The Christian Abyss match, there was way more good than bad. So I, as much as I didn't watch TNA, I can't crap on this show. I think it was a good show. Yeah, I really dug it. Uh, I'm, I was usually fond of the Lockdowns. There were a couple of them that were uh, stinkers. But I thought this one was one of their better Lockdown events of, uh, of all time. And uh, we've got one coming up in a couple of weeks that we're going to review. And I'll uh, plug that here in a second. Next week on the podcast, we are going to hopefully be talking about the WCW Nitro reboot from April 10th, 2000. That was when Eric Bischoff made his TV return to work with Vince Russo, and they stripped everybody of their titles and said that they were starting anew. I say hopefully we're going to be covering that because I got to order Peacock, and I don't know if that episode of Nitro is on there. I have looked all over the internet trying to find it elsewhere. Can't. So, yeah, we'll see. But that is uh, supposedly coming up on April 14th. If not, we have to call an audible. I'll let everybody know on uh, social media, at main event underscore marks on Facebook, or excuse me, on uh, Twitter and Instagram, at main event marks pod on Facebook. April 21st, though, we are covering Lockdown, TNA Lockdown 2011. The main event is another lethal lockdown, but it is Immortal versus Fortune. It is the 10-year anniversary of that show, and it was, I'll say, a different time in TNA. I liked most of it uh, during this time, but there was some stuff I wasn't super fond of. But they were trying to go big league. wasn't terrible. April 28th. Again, hopefully, I don't know what's going to be on Peacock yet, but we are going to be covering WCW Spring Stampede 1994. I believe this was the last pay-per-view before they got Hulk Hogan. And the main event was Ric Flair versus Ricky Seamboat. This was five years after their epic trilogy from 89 that we covered in the archives. Go check that out. So this was a different Flair, a different Steamboat. We'll see if it lives up to the hype. And then the bonus show, if, uh, again, if the uh, Peacock Masters are uh, smiling upon us, is the Raw is War that snapped the Nitro 83-week winning streak from April 13, 1998. The main event, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Bouse, Vince McMahon, Mr. McMahon, the first time ever. That advertisement alone won them the war for the first time in about a year and a half. Uh, but, yeah, so that's what's to come. I will update everybody on social media if things have to change. And, uh, yeah, just uh, we had to call an audible last month, so we'll have to see uh, what happens here if we get an April Fool's this month. But anyway, uh, one more time, if you're not listening to us on the Unhinged Sports Network, you should be. We're live every Wednesday at 8 p.m. 
p.m. Eastern Time and Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time for the um, uh, the replay. Uh, it's unhingedsn.airtime.pro. We here at the main event marks and the Unhinged Sports Network as a whole are sponsored by Fubo TV and Fanatics. Links are down in the podcast description. Click on them and check them out. And Jimmy, real quick, you want to plug all your uh, shows and social media? Yeah, I uh, co-host The Far End of the Bench. That's my main podcast with my good friend Nico Bryant. We're a Denver-based sports podcast, but we talk about uh, basketball, football, wrestling, hockey, uh, and uh, everything else that's going on. So we do that every Wednesday from 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Unhinged Sports Network, like Troy said, unhingedsn.airtime.pro. Uh, and that's where you can hear the exclusive shows for the network that I'm on. Cover 6, our NFL show when the NFL season's going on. Then I also host 2 for Chirping. And uh, we have daily blogs at unhingedsn.com. So there's a lot of content coming out of the Unhinged Sports Network. So if you enjoy main event marks with Troy and Greg, I'm no walking wrestling encyclopedia, but there's definitely some different opinions and different uh, takes that you can get from the Unhinged Sports Network. So be sure to check us out as a whole. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the blogs because all of my show notes are being made into blogs. Uh, they are coming out weekly. The new show, uh, the, like whatever you hear on Wednesday, you can catch those notes in blog form on Friday they drop. And then on Monday, it is an archived show that uh, the, the notes for an archived show that I am uh, posting on there. So check out the blog on unhingedsn.com. And uh, yeah, listen to us whenever you can. Thank you for filling in today, Jimmy. Thank you for having me. It's always fun, and especially the old school wrestling where I don't have to deal with whatever they're putting on right now because it's difficult to watch now. But I, I really enjoyed myself, had a good time talking about some old school wrestling. Awesome. Uh, glad to have you, and we'll uh, have you back sometime in the future, and we'll see you all again next time. But next week, it's the Nitro Reboot. Fracture prints your digital photos directly onto glass, making your favorite moments come alive in vivid color. Hand-assembled in the USA, Fracture glass prints are a unique and beautiful way to display and share your favorite moments. Simply upload your photo at FractureMe.com, select your size, and your glass print will be shipped to you, ready to hang with just one screw. Use code POD15 to get 15% off your order today. That's code POD15 at FractureMe.com. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 